2, the book of Haggai chapter number 2, we have been these last few weeks in this book, and I want to um, look once more um, at a uh, chapter number 2. Haggai chapter number 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, kind of give you a refresher of what has taken place, the children of Israel has uh, was in the land, was in um, bondage to uh, Babylon. They were in Babylon exile, and um, God then delivered them from that. And so they came back into the land, and it was to be that they were to immediately rebuild the temple once they come back into the land. And once they come back into the land, they did begin to rebuild the temple, but because of uh, some persecution from without and some um, pressures from within, they ceased building the temple and they went uh, some 15 to 16 years. Uh, the foundation of the temple laying dormant, not doing anything with the temple. And uh, then God raised up the prophet Haggai to um, stir up the people and he has given them God's message in chapter number 1. In the last part of chapter number 1, God has stirred the spirit of the people and the the leaders of uh, the children of Israel, and they have begun to build um, back the temple that they were supposed to build some 15 years uh, later, uh, 15 years uh, uh, prior. Uh, so, chapter number two, verse number one, the Bible says, uh, In the seventh month, uh, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the governor of Judah. And Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of, of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I have covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you uh, for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for uh, being such a loving God and a loving Savior to us. And Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, be with us as we look into the Word of God this morning. And Lord, I pray that there's one here that does not know Christ. Uh, God, that the sweet Spirit of God would show them their lost condition. And Lord, for us that do know Christ, I pray that you would convict us, encourage us, strengthen us. And God, give us that exactly what we need. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so as we come to Haggai chapter number 2, there again the people have begun to rebuild the temple. And it is not long after they begin to rebuild the temple that the Lord then comes by with another message to the children of Israel. We find in verse number 3, notice what the Bible says. He is questioning some people and he says, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And he is referring to it as that of the uh, Solomon's temple. And so he is asking the older generation 
um, about who those that have seen the Solomon's temple. And so then he makes this statement. He says, uh, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? And so the, the older generation has, has seen Solomon's temple. And they have, have seen the rebuilding of this new temple. And they are realizing there again that this new temple is not going to be what the old temple was. And so they are discouraged over the fact that it is not going to be exactly what Solomon's temple was. And they, after all these years of not having a temple, not having a place of worship, uh, uh, they begin to get discouraged and begin to get distraught uh, over this issue. And reality of it is, is as we look at Haggai chapter number 2, we see, we see several things, but one of the things that I want us to see really before we get to, into the heart of the message is this, uh, is that it, a wonderful truth is that we have to uh, we, we should thank God for the past things. But if we're so focused on the past, we can't see what God is doing in, in the now. There, there's some people that are so, so attached to, to the past uh, that they don't think God is doing anything in the present. But reality of it is, and, I, and, and there again, thank God for what He's done in the past, uh, but we can't live off what God did in the past. We have to anticipate and pray that God does something in the present. And so this is what is going on in the children of Israel's life. They were complaining and comparing this Solomon's temple with this new temple. As I was studying, I ran across a prayer of a man of God many years ago by the name of A.W. Tozer, and he is... He, is, uh, he wrote this prayer down in one of his uh, uh, journals. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, Dear Lord, I refuse henceforth to compete with any of thy servants. They have congregations larger than mine, so be it. I rejoice in their success. They have greater gifts very well. That is not in their power nor in mine. I'm humbly grateful for their gifts and my smaller ones. I only pray that I may use, thy, use to thy glory such modest gifts as I possess. I will not compare myself with any nor try to build up my self-esteem by noting where I may excel one or another in thy holy work. I herewith make a blanket of disvowal, a blanket of, disvowal of all instrument worth. I am but an unprofitable servant. I gladly go to the foot of the cross and own myself the least of thy people. If I err in my self-judgment and actually underestimate myself, I do not want to know it. I purpose to pray for others and to rejoice in their prosperity as if it were my own. And indeed it is my own if it is thine will. For what, is thine is, for what is thine is mine, and while one plants and another waters, it is thou alone that giveth the increase. As he, as he writes that prayer, the reality of it is, is we see the, the, the problem of the people of Haggai is they are comparing and, and, and comparing the two temples, they become discouraged. 
And what happens is, is if discouragement is left alone, it is not long before a discouragement leads to disaster. And so God, knowing all things, knowing the hearts and the minds of the people, understands their discouragement, hears their cries, understands their thoughts and their, the meditations of their hearts. And so he begins to speak to them concerning this discouragement. And so there again, reality, we have to remember that in this day, a discouragement is not something that just comes to God's people, but it is also something that everybody faces. Uh, there's people who don't know God that get discouraged. There are people who have never been inside of a church building get discouraged. So a lot of times we think of discouragement as something that is only bound to the people of God. But it is not that way. It is that everybody that ever has been born and has come to the age of maturity, uh, sometime or another, whether they know God or don't know God, uh, they reach a place of where they'll get discouraged. Discouraged. And that discouragement left alone always breeds in disaster. Uh, there, there's no, there's no telling how many people uh, today that we could talk to that are alcoholics that the reason they be, began to drink was because they got discouraged in something. They got discouraged in their at their job. They got discouraged at their, at their home life or uh, something uh, other than that. And so... And they begin to find, try to find encouragement in the bottle, and now it's not long till they're an alcoholic. And there's no doubt of how many thousands of people that have, uh, that have took their own life uh, because they got discouraged, and, and they never moved from that discouragement, to, and it caused, it caused them to get into a place of disaster. Very, very oftentimes in the scripture when you find one of God's people being discouraged, you'll often find that's when God pays a lot of attention to them. The reason being is because there again, God knows discouragement always leads to disaster if left alone. And so God approaches these people. They're in their midst of their discouragement. They're in this midst of, of, of hardship. And so God comes to them uh, and he begins to give them some comforting words in the midst of their discouragement. I want you to notice some, some of the words that God gives them in the midst of their discouragement. Notice, notice if you will, verse number four. The Bible says, and notice this, he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel. Then he says, And be strong, O Joshua, and be strong, all the, uh, uh, be strong, uh, all the people of the land. We see that God gives a challenging word. He challenges them with the idea of being strong. Three times in verse number four, he tells them to be strong. First of, first of all, he addresses the, the civil ruler for him to be strong. Then he addresses the religious ruler. And then he addresses the, uh, the people. And, the, and just in the fact uh, to be strong. And a lot of times as you and I, as we're working in the, in the, way, in the things of God and doing things among, God, among the, the work of God, we'll, we'll look at it and we'll say, man, uh, uh, what I'm doing is very small in comparison to other people. And there again, we get in danger, get in great danger of discouragement and then get in great danger of disaster when you and I begin to compare 
our lives and our work for the Lord with someone else. There's been, there's been a lot of people down through the years that, uh, that, that I have seen in the ministry uh, that they started off right and they started off good and they started off the way they should and they were true to the Word of God, but they began to compare their, their ministry with somebody else's ministry and their ministry didn't add up like somebody else's ministry so they began to tweak and they began to change some things and it was not long before that led them down a path that they had no business going down. And so what happens is, is, is that when you and I get into a place of discouragement, we have to remember that one of the words that God gives discouraged people is to be strong. It's, it's not to be weak, it's not to be frail, but it is to be strong. We have to remember that, that no matter what you and I are going through, whether it, be, uh, whether it be in the ministry, whether it be in home life, whether it be in our own health, uh, no matter what we may be facing, uh, we have to remember that throughout the Word of God, God calls His people to be a strong people. And man, isn't it sad today that, that we're, not, we're not seeing young Christians fall only, but we're seeing older Christians fall at an alarming rate. I mean, people who have been, have been saved for years and servants of God for years are falling and quitting at an alarming rate. Why is that? Because somewhere in their life, discouragement has set in and they listen to the lie of the devil, is it really worth going on? Am I really making a difference? And a lot of times people battle with things, and I understand that some, uh, some, sometimes as you get older, people, I've had people say before, well, I, I can't do what I used to could do, and, and that bothers some people, and I understand. I, I, I would probably get to, I'll get to that point if the Lord tarries, I'm sure, but you have to remember that if you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for leaving you here. And that purpose may not be known to me, but I assure you, God has a reason why he has not took you to glory. We have to remind, remind ourselves often of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy at chapter number 2, verse number 1, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When discouragement comes, and it will come, one of the, you know, it's amazing to me, when I get discouraged, I want to have a pity party. Anybody else want, like having pity parties? And you know, you know what I'll do? I'm telling off of myself, but I, I'll go to somebody until I find somebody that'll join me. And I, I've learned that my first stop need not be my wife. <laughs> There's been many times that I have been discouraged and I've went to her and I leave wounded. <laughs> but I needed it. But you know, there's always, there's always somebody. You can always find somebody that'll join you. 
And you know what you start doing? You begin to start comparing war stories. And before long, if you're not careful, you begin to lie. Because you always want your situation to be worse than their situation. And you know what happens? The more you talk about it, and the more you analyze it, that molehill, the devil turns into a mountain. <coughs> Excuse me. And so you have to be, we have to come to a place to where we're, I, I, it, it, dri it drives me nuts sometimes to see my, my kids just whine over nothing. Like when, when they're whining over nothing, I'm like, I used, I used to cut my arm off and my grandma stitch it on and so she said, and two seconds later she'd go out there and get in the dirt. And they, they get a little, little scrape on their knee and man, the world's ended. I'm thinking I've had bigger scrapes on my eyeball than that. But you know, that's the way we are a lot of times as a Christian. One little thing goes wrong and boy, we're ready to, we want God to send the ambulance and put us in ICU for a year. But then you can compare some other, compare your instance to somebody else's and you realize what I'm going through is absolutely nothing compared to what some people's going through. So in the midst of discouragement, we have to remember that God does not give us, give us a command to be weak and whiny. God gives us the command to be strong. You don't, you don't need to stop being strong when discouragement sets in. That's when you need to start being strong and keep being strong. So this morning, if you're in a, if you're in a place of discouragement, whether it be that of what you're doing for God or whether it place in your family a place in your personal life, place in your professional life, whatever the case is, if you are in a place of discouragement, God is not telling you to roll over and die and just to sit in your self-pity. God said, pull up your bootstraps and be strong. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit looking for somebody to, to waller in your self-pity with. Get yourself up by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and go on another day. But yet so many times we want, we want to, to God to join our pity party and say, God, look how bad I have it. And the whole time we're saying, God, how bad we have it. God said, have you remembered lately what I, what I went through for you? Well, when, when, when's the last time you died on a cross? When's the last time you were beaten? When's the last time you gave up your child? See, we want God to feel sorry for us. The reality of it is, is we have nothing to complain about. And that's why God says, be strong. It's a word, it's a challenging word. It's a, to be strong, but not only is it a challenging word, but it's a commanding word. Notice what he says, there again, verse number four, he tells them to be strong. But then he says, saith the Lord, and... I know this is a curse word to most people nowadays, work. Now I want to ask you a question. What's the one thing you don't want to do when you're discouraged? 
If you're a Sunday school teacher and you're discouraged in your Sunday school class, what's the one thing you don't want to do? You don't want to teach. I know I'm not preaching to a room full of preachers, but it is reality when a preacher's discouraged, he don't want to preach. The thing that people, whatever is discouraged you, you don't want to do it. Because you're discouraged in it. But God says in the midst of discouragement, first of all, you don't need to be weak, you need to be strong, and you still need to continue doing what you're supposed to be doing. The reality of it is is so many times people stop doing something when they're discouraged and say, I will pick it up later, and they never pick it up again. Why is that? Because they realize uh, that sometimes... uh, uh, that that they, they get to the place where they put it, <coughs> excuse me, they put it down and they just learn to live outside the will of God. And so not only is there a challenging word, but there's a commanding word. Continue to work. Work out your discouragement. Matter of fact, if, if you and I will get busy working in the midst of discouragement, we will eventually come out of the discouragement. But so many times we want to sit in the discouragement and waller in it and wait for God to pull us out. But God says in the midst of it, you need to work. You need to keep doing. You know why that is? Is because when, while you keep doing, you'll realize that God is doing something. That God is using you. So in the midst of discouragement, you not only have to be strong, but you have to continue working. The worst thing you'll ever do is sit down. I I preached in Albany, Kentucky Friday night, and a man walked up to me, and he was 78 years old. He said, I still go to the sawmill every day. He said, I work 10 to 16 hours. Every day, saw me. He said, I'm 78 years old. I said, boy, don't you think it's time for you to retire? He said, preacher, if I retire, I'll die. He said, so I just figured I'll just work till I die and maybe I'll live longer. I thought to myself, God bless you, buddy. But how many people have you ever known that, they, that while they were working, they were in good health, but they retired and they stopped very quickly. You know why that is? It's because somebody that's inactive is easier to get a hold of than somebody that is active. And it's the same way spiritually. A person that is inactive spiritually, the devil has a lot easier target than somebody that's working. You and I, in the midst of discouragement, not only do we have to be strong, but we've got to continue working. Listen, Jesus hadn't come. There's still work to do. Jesus still has the church of God here, so there's still still people to reach. There's still souls to be saved. There's still people to be encouraged. There's still people who need us. 
And so today, in this day, in this hour, in this day of apathy, I know that we could look around and get discouraged very quickly, but it is not time to grow weak and anemic. It's time to be strong, and it's not time to sit down and to take a rest, but it's time to work as if we've never worked before. Why? Because Jesus is coming. We should be busy, even in the midst of discouragement, working. Not only is it a challenging word, not only is it a commanding word, but it is also that of a comforting word. Notice the last part of or notice the last part of verse number four. He says, For I am with you, saith the Lord. Then verse number five, he says, According to the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. In the midst of the discouragement, God gives a challenging word, He gives a commanding word, but He gives a comforting word. We have to remember that even in the midst of discouragement, God's there. The psalmist said that the Lord is nigh unto them that's of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You saw, so sometimes when we get discouraged, we feel like we're the only ones. We're, the, we're, like, we're, we're, we're like the prophet. He's the only one, never the only one standing for God, but not realizing that God still has other people, other places doing other things. And so in the midst of discouragement, we have to always remember that we've, st- we've got to be strong. We've got to continue working. But there's comfort to be found in discouragement. I, I remember when I was in the hospital with COVID. I have never been, never before then, never been in the hospital, never um, had anything of that nature. And I, after I got out, I told, my, I told my wife, I said, I realize why. I'm not so sure that a lot of the people who died, I'm not so sure that they died of sickness as much as I am. I don't know if they didn't die of discouragement. Because you shut up in that little room and you don't see nobody, you don't feel like talking, can't nobody come to see you. The only people come to see you is poking you and prodding you like a pin cushion. I know they had to do that and I thank God for them, except for that one person that, uh, about made me come out that bed when they poked that needle in the wrong place. But <laughs> listen, I'm a, I'm a I'm a bad patient. I'm a bad patient. I'll tell them when they draw them blood, you got one shot. If you pull that needle out, it's over. I don't care if you got to dig for thirty minutes. You put that needle in and dig. Don't you pull it back out? <laughs> but I I remember sitting in that hotel room. Hotel room. <laughs> I wished it would have been a hotel room. The food might have been a little better. I remember sitting in that hospital room. I don't know, it was around day four, three or four. Uh, man, I, I, I don't know if it was, I, I'm not going to say it's depression, but I tell you, I was so low, I could have sat on the day, that day's newspaper and dangled my legs off. That's how low I was. And I, I, I remember, Matt, just sick, didn't feel good, missed my family. 
horrible. I woke up that morning crying, went to bed that night crying, woke up the next morning crying. And there again, I like having pity parties. And here I am thinking, here I am trying to serve the Lord, trying to raise a family that, as close as the Bible as it can, preaching, serving Him every way I can, and I'm the one in the hospital. How come I'm the one in the hospital? Why, why couldn't it be the drug addict in the hospital? Now, I know y'all never think that, but y'all pray for me. I was, I was pretty low spiritually. Why, why couldn't it be the whoremonger that has this in the hospital? Why am I the one that's having to be here? There again, I know y'all never questioned God, but I was. I was low. And I'd got about as low as I could go then I remember I was asleep. And it was as if, you'll never convince me otherwise, it was as if God himself walked in that hotel room and shut the door beside it, behind it. I mean, that hospital room, shut the door behind it. And I don't know, I, and God began to deal with my heart. And some of the sweet, that do you know, Though that was the, probably one of the scariest times of my life, it turned out to be one of the sweetest times I've ever had with the Lord. And I look back and I think, and I, I know now why I was there. Because the Lord had some things He had to tell me that He would not have been able to get my attention any way else. Sometimes. We think that the devil is using our discouragement against us, but sometimes it may be God letting us go through it because God's wanting us to get so small to where we'll see how big he is. So in the midst of discouragement, it's a challenging word, be strong. Don't sit around and weep. Don't sit around and cry and bellyache and... Oh, how bad I've got it. Somebody's always got it worse than you do. If you don't believe that, just go to the hospital or go down to the nursing home or someplace. You'll find somebody way worse off than you are. Go to the jailhouse. Go somewhere. I promise you, people's got it a whole lot worse than you and me. Don't be weak. Don't be whining. Be strong. You're God's child. What does the world think when they see God's children mully-grubbing and talking about how bad we have it? Well, that boy, if God treats them like that. I sure don't want to be on his team. Don't mope, don't groan, don't complain, be strong. Don't be looking for a place to sit down and quit. Look, be looking for a place to serve. Be looking for a place to keep going. Why? Because things, th things will rust out a lot quicker than they will wear out. But then remember, you may feel all alone, but thank God there is one that has covenanted with you just as he covenanted with the children of Israel that he'll never leave you nor forsake. Song leader pianist come.
This, this morning I am well aware that discouragement is very real. We all face it. It all happens to the best of us. You got to remember, but they, there again, you just got a purpose in your heart. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm, what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that the Lord is with me. And I believe if you and I, in the midst of discouragement, can do those three things, I believe we'll again see God do that which only He can do. Every head bowed and every eye closed as Miss Judy begins to play. I know I've not mentioned much about salvation, but I do want to say that there is a God in heaven who loved you so much that He willingly gave His Son to die on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. 